Welcome to the Grace-Based Family Podcast. We're We're your your hosts, hosts, Karis Murray and Michelle Brook. This is a podcast where we look at the power of grace in the everyday lives of families. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. Hey, Michelle. Hello. Well, so today we are going to talk about grace. Yes. Which is a really large term, I think, Mm -hmm. that I... so often, I just don't think, um, first of all, I don't think that the greater culture understands it because it's really rooted in the gospel. Mm-hmm. But even believers, I think, struggle to really understand what does grace mean and then how does that um, actually relate to their lives and their relationships. Yeah. So, um, and we're going to talk about grace today because it's very core to what we do at Family Matters and why we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have kind of a good working definition of grace. Why don't you give that to us, Michelle? Sure. Grace is giving the people you love what they desperately need, but don't necessarily deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of a multi-part definition. Um, kind of that first part, giving giving the people you love or giving the people around you, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to love them. You right. still are called to give them grace, right? Even if you don't like them. Mm-hmm. But giving the people around you what they desperately need. So that's that first part. Mm-hmm. So it requires having a, a level of um, empathy right. for people to recognize what do they really need. Now mm-hmm. that didn't say giving them what they want. Right. Right. It didn't say letting them off the hook. It doesn't say any of that. It says give them what they desperately need. And then that second part of that definition is, but they don't necessarily deserve. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if we're just giving everybody what they deserve all the time, well, that's not grace. And frankly, that's kind of how our world operates anyway. Right. But as believers, we're called to something higher because we have actually received something higher. Mm -hmm. So our observation is a lot of people understand saving grace. We understand that God's grace has saved us from from hell, right? From Mm -hmm. our sins. But we're not quick to understand, and I am totally guilty of this. I'm a recovering legalist myself. (laughs) But we don't understand what grace looks like applied to our daily lives and lived out in our relationships. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Well, and and understanding the the saving grace and accepting that is core, right? Because you know, when we think about this definition that we've talked about, giving someone what they desperately need but don't necessarily deserve, well, we desperately need God's forgiveness for Mm -hmm. our sins. We Mm -hmm. desperately needed Christ to um, act as payment for the debt that we owe, that Mm -hmm. we couldn't pay ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we didn't deserve that. We don't deserve that based on our own merit. And so... That definition applies to saving grace, but I think, like you said, so often we we get that, but then we sort of leave grace at the foot of the cross and we walk away and try to get on with our lives, um, not recognizing that that that's really ver- the, the core of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have received what we desperately needed from God, 
even though we didn't deserve it. Yeah. That because we've received that grace, that we ought to be um, delighted to be able to show that same kind of grace to the people in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think so often as believers, we distill, once someone's saved, for example, we distill how they should live down to a checklist of acceptable behaviors. Right. And that's not how God treats us. Right. He doesn't say, okay, I, I look at you now through the blood of my son who right. was sacrificed for you. And now I expect you to boom, 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 boom. Like right. that was the law, right? That's why Christ right. came to fulfill the law. And yeah, I think it's so easy for us to turn to our neighbor and say, oh, well, they go to church. They say they're a Christian. Why are they acting like that? Right. And yeah. hold people to this unrealistic standard and not treat them in grace. Yeah. Well, and and none of that that you said negates the fact that there are standards in the mm-hmm. Bible mm-hmm. that God calls us to right. that still apply. Um, and it's just like any good parent. I mean, I think this is where the the metaphor that God uses of himself more than any other metaphor in the Bible is that of father, mm-hmm. that of parent, right? Any good parent has rules, right? but those rules exist for our good. Mm-hmm. Those rules exist for the good of his children yeah. and the good of the whole family unit, right? Mm-hmm. They exist to ensure safety and joy and, and, and freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and any good parent wants their kids to obey them. Mm-hmm. But that true obedience doesn't come from this imposed set of standards that if we don't live up to them, then our parent doesn't love them. No, our parent loves us no matter what. Right. And because of because we love them as well, we desire to obey. Mm-hmm. You know, right. that's the ideal in a parent-child relationship. Right. And that's um, the way that the relationship with our Heavenly Father is. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, the, he doesn't put his standards aside. Mm-hmm. But the standards that he has exists for our good, and he woos us with his love. Mm-hmm. We desire that relationship with him, and we desire to obey him out of love. Right. And so there is this contrast between um, holding ourselves to this list of standards, holding other people to a list of standards, mm-hmm. rather than just basing our relationship with God on Uh, you know, the grace that he's given us, the love that he loves us with, loving him in return, and then seeking to obey him because we know that he desires our best and because Mm -hmm. we love him, right? It it seems like such a a minor distinction, but I think as you'll see, as we, we're going to read you sort of a a compare and contrast between two different ways to approaching God. Um, But I think you'll see that these subtleties are really key mm-hmm. yeah. to living in freedom in our relationship with Christ and then mm-hmm. to extending that freedom and grace into our most important relationships. Right. Especially with our, I mean, sometimes it's harder to give grace to the people that live under your same roof or share your yeah. last name. Right. Right. And grace doesn't just mean nice 
right? right? Grace, we need to clarify that, right? Grace doesn't just mean, okay, be a doormat and get run over if you're right. being abused or if somebody is, you know, totally out of line. Yeah, or taking advantage taking of you advantage. or whatever. Yes. Yeah. We're not saying grace and nice are necessarily a synonym like that. We're saying that like God treats us in grace, right? And he doesn't throw out the rule book. So we can treat our family and those we love and even those we don't love in grace. And there can still mm-hmm. be healthy boundaries. Right. And, you know, some. Yeah, the lines rules are still drawn. Place. The boundaries still mm-hmm. exist. There are still rules. But like you said, sometimes it's so much easier to be forgiving and merciful and gracious to a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. And if one of our kids or our spouse did the same thing, we'd let them have it, Yeah, you know? Um, and that is that, I mean, I would say that's sort of the flip side of the, the safety and the intimacy and the vulnerability of family. Mm-hmm. You know, on the one hand, we feel safe to show them our worst self. Right. Right. Our, that's why I think kids behave the worst with their own parents. There was actually a study done that said that kids behave worst with their mothers than with mm-hmm. anybody else. I believe it. And any mother will tell you, well, yeah, you didn't need to do a study to confirm that, like we could have told you. But the reason that is, is because they are aware of our unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And and so they hold it in for everyone else. And then they... you know, that it, it's kind of that double-edged sword of that feeling of freedom and mm-hmm. being able to just let it all hang out, <laughs> right. right? And so on the one hand, I think that's the experience of family. Mm-hmm. But where grace comes in is it really allows us to kind of keep um, keep things balanced and mm-hmm. keep the bubble in the middle mm-hmm. and so that we're not kind of going one way or the other. And um, I, I think... When you think of grace, you can kind of think of it as as a a path, mm-hmm. and then on either side of that path, there are ditches mm. that we can fall into these you know these divots in the road or these yeah. ditches on either side of this grace path, and I think those ditches are what we would call legalism mm-hmm. on one end, and license on the other side. Right. So. How how would you explain the concept of legalism? Oh man, that's unfortunately my natural bent. Okay, right? I um follow the rules. Could be critical, um, very performance based. Yeah, um, follow the rules, be obedient, mm-hmm. um, and there's not a lot of heart connection, a lot of forgiveness there. Yeah. It's, it's just ugly. Yeah, it really is, and it's suffocating. Yeah, to myself even, and to others. If I am treating people where we're managing outward appearances, mm-hmm. and it's it's suffocating to say, well, it's putting rules that God hasn't even put right in place, right. or even if they are legitimate standards, you're applying them in a way that that assumes that that person's behavior is how they're going to have any kind of standing in a relationship with you and you assume the same about Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. You know, in the Bible, the Pharisees um, were legalists. Right. And, um, you know, Jesus didn't come against very many people. Mm -hmm. He was for people, but he came against the Pharisees and the religious elite. 
he called them whitewashed tombs. Yeah. This idea that they are whitewashing the outside, mm-hmm. the appearance of of um, spirituality, the appearance of spiritual depth mm-hmm. and devotion. And on the inside, a tomb is full of dead bodies, right? So yeah. they're dead on the inside and they're just kind of whitewashing the outside. Mm-hmm. And then they're using their power because, you know, in in the time that Jesus was here, the Pharisees were sort of the, they were the religious elite, but they were really sort of allowed to govern mm-hmm the Hebrews. And so they had this level of power and they were using their power then to oppress people who they felt didn't, weren't as righteous, didn't Mm -hmm. appear as righteous on the outside. Mm -hmm. So it's this self-righteousness and it's so easy to fall into. And we, Mm -hmm. the reason that we, we'll talk about license in a minute, but you'll kind of see the reason that you can kind of slip on into either ditch on the side of grace, it can actually be the same reason. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we fall into legalism out of fear. Right. You know, we're afraid that we're going to mess up. We're mm-hmm. afraid our kids are going to mess up. Mm-hmm. We are afraid that God isn't going to love us if we don't A, B, C, D. Right. And all, and we hold everybody around us to those same standards. Mm-hmm. Well, we can also fall into license-based living for the same reason. And so, you know, yeah. license is, is this other side of the spectrum that isn't grace. Mm-hmm. But license kind of, you know, assumes that the rules don't matter mm-hmm. and that the rules don't apply. Mm-hmm. And whereas legalists sort of use the rules as a weapon, right? Um, when you're living a license-based life, you're neglecting to uh, apply the, the standards to yourself and to the people within your care, like your kids, your spouse, Maybe out of fear, maybe mm-hmm. because you don't want people to be mad at you. You mm-hmm. don't, you know, want to offend people. You want your kids to like you. You don't want your your spouse to leave you. Right. And so you allow for those standards to just sort of wither. Mm-hmm. And what happens in the absence of boundaries and standards is that kids feel very insecure. Yeah. Um, we're neglecting to really build that character into them because we're just assuming that, you know, grace is cheap. Right. Christ died. You know, I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that, that grace is not cheap. Right. It's unconditional, but it costs a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it's really easy to slip to both of these sides. And I think a lot of people assume grace means i think it's pretty clear that people can see that it's grace is the opposite of legalism right but they assume it's more like license mm-hmm. but grace is also the opposite of license right it's neither of those things right mm-hmm. legalism and license are kind of two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. and grace is something else right so I love how you clarified that because I think here at Family Matters, we get that question a lot. Like, so should I just let my kids do whatever then? Is that what grace is? It's like, no, that would be ungrace. Right. That would not be gracious. That would not be loving to let them run amok. Right. Because then you're not preparing them for the world that they're going to live in. You're not helping them grow their character muscles and and develop a strong faith. Mm -hmm. And that's not 
ultimately in their best interest. And so grace is giving them something that they desperately need, right? Well, Mm -hmm. what do we need? Mm -hmm. We need boundaries. Yeah. We need to love, right? Yeah, (laughs) that helps us have that sense of security to know where are the lines. Right. We we have a two and a half year old and we talk about grace a lot in our family. And we recently had Halloween. So we have three huge, you know, pumpkin bins of candy up in the counter. And he loves to crawl on the counter and he stands up there and it makes us so nervous with all the granite countertops. I'm like, he's going to fall and give himself a concussion. He crawls up there without asking permission to get candy. And I said, Bennett, you need to get down. And he said, mom, I need grace. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing? What do you mean you need grace? He's like, I need grace. I need treats. I'm like, no, that is not, I am not giving you treats. That is not grace. You have already had donuts for breakfast. It is not right. gracious. I'm not going to give you grace. This is not a license to just eat treats because you know this buzzword in our house. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is not count. Well, and that's, that's exactly it. That would be license. Right. You know, like, like okay. it doesn't mean giving our kids what they want. Exactly. Regardless he does of what not they need any he more candy need after a donut. It's not ultimately good for him it's not ultimately in his best interest right right? but of course it's hysterical because he's cute and (laughs) he's he's trying he's too yeah he's he's like i know this word i know this word (laughs) seems like maybe this will get me off the magic word here yeah yeah well and and you know in my own experience um you know when i kind of think back there are lots of examples of my parents giving us grace but one thing that comes to mind just very vividly is um, I was 19. I was living back at home because uh, Mike, my husband, and I were engaged at that point, which now seems crazy to me because I have a 17-year-old daughter. Oh I was engaged to her father at at 19. But I had gone to, you know, I'd gone away to school, had come back, yeah. um, am engaged and living at their house and, you know, to save money and that kind of thing. And so, you know, I had a curfew when I lived at home. And then when I was at college, you know, things were different and, you know, they weren't micromanaging me. But when I came back home, I'm part of a family unit now. Um, And my youngest brother is 10 years younger than me. So when I was 19, he was nine. Mm -hmm. And then two other kids in between. And like, they cannot follow my collegiate schedule. Like, they have to get up in the morning. One of my mom's favorite sayings, and I say it now too, is morning comes early. Well, now as a mom, I know what that means. Morning yeah. comes whenever, you know, the first kid has to wake up or yeah. before, right? And so they uh, asked me to have a, a a curfew of midnight when I lived back at home when I was 19. Um, and it's simply, you know, they weren't trying to be lame sauce. It was just... <laughs> They couldn't sleep well until I was back home. And then their morning was going to start really early with the younger kids, even on a Saturday, you know, or a Sunday. And so, um, so anyway, I was, I was engaged to my husband and, um, I was over at his house. He had roommates and they were friends. We were all friends and everything. And so we, our favorite thing to do, and this is how nerdy we were, we <laughs> loved to play dominoes and we would like do these dominoes tournaments and just. <laughs> I've never even played dominoes. I don't even know if I still remember how to play it. Maybe I do. Anyway, but we had these dominoes tournaments and it was, it was more than dominoes. Like it was a lot of trash talking yeah. and very competitive. Fun. It was all about strategy. And anyway, so we had watched a movie 
And I still had like an hour or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, let's play a couple rounds of dominoes. Well, that just quickly escalated and it was a full bowl tournament and we just lost track of time, Yeah, you know? And, um, you know, somebody did a jack-in-the-box run and brought in refreshments and everything. And before <laughs> I knew it, it was like 3 a.m. Wow. You know, I mean, I have ADHD, so I really have no sense of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those times that this came back and bit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's 3 a.m. And, you know, when I was at college, like, I would stay out to 3 a.m. sometimes because right. I could keep my own schedule and I didn't have a class the next morning till later. So I mm-hmm. could sleep in, right? Um, and so, of course, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I leave immediately, drive home, you know, pull up in the driveway very carefully, you know, open the car door, close the car door, you know, yeah. I'm creeping inside and, you know, unlock the front door and go in. And, you know, to my relief, n- neither of my parents were still up. So I'm yeah. like, Whew, you know, dodge that bullet. Dodge that bullet. So I, you know, creep upstairs, <laughs> go to bed. You know, next day I wake up at the crack of, you know, 1115 or whatever it is, <laughs> come downstairs to get some cereal. And I kind of come down and I see my dad sitting at the kitchen table with his laptop and a very disheveled newspaper open on the kitchen table. And, you know, and I'm kind of side-eyeing him as I'm walking by, yeah. like, is he going to say something? Say something? Yeah. Does he know I came in late? Kind of a thing. So I'm going over to get my cereal bowl out. And he's like, he's like, hey, Karis, uh, what, what time did you get home last night? And of course, my mind's racing, and I'm like, oh. he's like, he goes, and before you answer, I just want you to know, you parked on the newspaper. And I'm like, what? Yeah. He's like, you you parked your car, your your front driver's side tire was on top of the newspaper. Uh because I travel so often and I have to leave really early in the morning, I happen to know that our newspaper comes about 3 a.m. And you parked on top of it. So now, what time did yeah. you come home last night? Oh, and shoot. I was like 3.15. Yeah. And I think, I think here's why that's an example of grace. First of all, he's holding me to a standard, mm-hmm. right? I was supposed to be home at a time. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't home at that time. Yeah. He asked me when I was home. Um, but rather than sort of trying to... Like trap you. Or... Entrap me, mm-hmm. right? I think I... Okay, I would have probably been tempted to... First of all, I'm not going to say I came home on time because I'm sure they know that I didn't because they were probably up, mm-hmm. right? But I might have been tempted to say like a little bit less radically late time, like one sure. fifteen or something like that, right? <laughs> right. Which still is, isn't the truth. And so he basically said, look, I have this information that gives me a pretty clear idea mm-hmm. of when you got home. So, you know, if if he was a cop and I was some suspect, they're probably going to keep that kind of stuff from me. Yeah. It's a much more sort of manipulative kind mm-hmm. of a relationship. But he chose in that moment, and who knows how long he thought about this in advance. Right. Who knows, right? But... Um, he chose to sort of let me in on that little bit of information mm-hmm. to to really say, I am encouraging you to tell the truth. Right. Right? 
And it just made me, made it really easy for me to just be like 315. That's yeah. when I came home. And, um, and he was kind of like, thank you for telling the truth. And he's like, and why did this happen? Mm-hmm. And again, I was like, look, the truth is so ridiculous and nerdy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to tell the truth. And right. I was like, I was at Mike's. We watched a movie. It wasn't time for me to come home yet. We started a Domino's tournament. We were eating Jack in the Box, and I lost track of time. Yeah. You can't make you know? that up. Can't, yeah. Like, you can't make that up. And, and you know, of course there were nights where, you know, I was smooching Mike, and right. we lost a little track of time that I maybe wouldn't have wanted to answer for those nights. But in this instance, it's like he blew open the door towards truth mm-hmm. and just made it easy for me to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's an example of grace. Yeah. And your dad didn't yell at you or Mm-mm. shame you, but I'm sure there was some sort of consequence of like, hey, we set this time up at midnight. Right. And this is why. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You don't probably well, remember and, all the and I actually but... don't even remember if. Honestly, I don't remember if there was a consequence. Well, you're 19. Probably. But I'm was... 19. And it was one of those things where it was like, um, you know, More this a is a strike thing. or something yeah. like this. Yeah. But honestly, I what I remember about the interaction is how gracious that yes. was. Yeah. Because at that point, I mean, I am an adult, mm-hmm. but I'm living at home. So it is much more a a respect-based thing. And understanding, I it's like I understood why the rule was what it was. Right. It was, because I'm part of a whole unit now. It's not just about me. Mm-hmm. We all have to try to make compromises that help each other. Yeah. And so, you know, even all these years later, I remember that conversation mm. as an example of grace. He didn't back me into a corner. Right. He, he gave me the opportunity to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I could have made a different choice, I guess. I could yeah. have still lied. But but he he kind of gave me that nugget. I see the grace as his mm. him saying before you answer. Right. Let me tell you what I know. Yeah. And he I, I didn't deserve that bit of information. Mm. <clears throat> but he knew that that's what I needed to really um make it clear that I needed to tell the truth. And he just gave me that opportunity. And so at that point, what happened after that wasn't as significant Mm -hmm. in my mind as that moment. Right. So there may have been a consequence. There may not have. I mean, that that could have been enough, too, to just be like, yeah, got it. That mutual respect, too, to be like, he respected me. This is reminding me of the woman at the well. Yeah. Right. When Jesus catch, uh, approaches the woman at the well and he tells her like, woman, I know yeah. you've had, yeah. what is it? Five, been, yeah. five men or five yeah, husbands. Five husbands and, the, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. Yeah. He's yeah. not like, okay, tell me, you know, he's not entrapping her. He's right. handling her with grace. And then he tells everyone like, look, back off. Right. None of you are without sin. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, well, and, and he, and he sends her in that moment, he sends her back to Samaria mm-hmm. And just the fact of who she was, she right. was a Samaritan woman Female. at a well in the middle of the day, which is not when typically you would mm-hmm. go to the well because it's hot, because she's been, she'd been ostracized even by the right. other women in her community. And a Jewish man certainly doesn't talk to any Samaritan. They also don't talk to a, you know, 
single woman. Yeah, a single woman and, a, and an ad- adulteress, quote right. unquote, right? Somebody who's been with all these men and isn't mm-hmm. married. And he asks her for a drink. He asks her to serve him, which was a, which was a sign of honor mm-hmm. and respect. And then, yeah, he just flat out comes out. I know right. who you are. And then he said, go back to Samaria and tell them. Mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. and she goes back she's literally the first evangelist mm. in the new testament yeah um but he says you know sin no more like you you need right. to stop so he didn't say it's okay that you've been mm-hmm. that you're not married to the guy that you're with right now it's okay that you've been with all those other guys right he just said but i esteem you despite that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And so, I mean, so that interaction that the Samaritan woman had with Jesus of the well and this brief interaction that you had with mm-hmm. your dad, these, these times when people who really understand God's grace treat us in grace, it, it grows our faith. Yeah. Right. Like it it's challenging. It encourages us. It's like, Oh, okay. That was really kind. They gave yeah. me something I did not deserve. Yeah. And it wants, it makes you want to do that, treat others that way. Right. Or it should, right. Yeah, it with should. the Holy Spirit's work in your life. But Ooh. I think it comes with, from your starting place, understanding that we're not on a performance based scale with God. Right. Like if right. our starting point is flawed and we're very legalistic and very performance based and thinking, well, if I haven't done my quiet time, done my 20 minutes of prayer, gone to church, did my devotional, right. like God's not going to love me today. Like, right. That's not truth, right? And so we have a flawed starting point that we're on a performance basis with God. We're going to put our spouse and our children and our neighbors um, on that same that same level, level, and that same standard. And that's really unrealistic because people are going to be like, "What's the use? I can't measure up." Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It poisons our own relationship with God, but then Mm -hmm. it it poisons the the relationship with everybody else in our life. And it really robs us of the the blessing that can come Mm -hmm. and the richness of relationship that we can develop if we have this healthy um, view towards God and and understanding of grace. And so Mm -hmm. on that note, let's let's talk a little bit about... um, we have what we call the grace list. We will post this in our show notes. This is something that we have um, had on our website for a while. We even have an annotated version of it that uh, has a lot of uh, scriptural references to sort of help you compare and contrast con- contrast these two ways of approaching God. But what this is, is these are sort of two ways to approach and view God. One is called the obedience-based life, Mm. and the other is called the grace-based life. Mm. Um, So just some examples. In the obedience-based life, you live to please God. And in the grace-based life, you live to trust God. Mm. Now, that isn't to say that within the grace-based life, you don't want to please God, Mm -hmm. right? But it's not what you live for. Right. What you live for is to trust him. Mm. And then the 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 please, you know, his pleasure comes as a result of that trust and that faith that we put in him. Mm-hmm. 
the one that resonates with me is um, a performance versus a relationship. Yeah. And I think for me, um, you know, we talked about the Enneagram. I'm a three, which is an mm-hmm. achiever, right? So I want to check yeah. the box and be the goal-oriented one. So for me, it's easy to fall under this obedience performance-based life. Yeah. Um, being the firstborn, that type of type yeah. of personality, instead of the grace-based life, which is really relishing in my relationship with the Lord yeah, and not having a checklist, but this, this, you know, love right. with, with my savior. Right. This love and the, mm-hmm. and the standards are still there, but again, it's, it's not about you performing it. It's about this relationship that then mm-hmm. leads to repentance when it needs right. to and, and to redemption and to, and to change when mm-hmm. it needs to, but it comes from that relationship. Um, flowing from that i think that the obedience based life can 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 feel like a duty yeah right versus the grace based life which should feel like a delight mhm absolutely it, you know it it should come um easy mhm versus doing things out of obligation right um and ultimately i think um it promotes an obedience life can have the uh, obedience based life sorry can have the effect of promoting the fear Mm -hmm. that sort of already lurks inside of all of us you know like we talked about with legalism and license you might fall into either of those extremes for the same reason Mm -hmm. fear Mm -hmm. or for the same reason kind of a lack of faith right a uh, lack of trust, right? Especially with parenting. You Especially hear this all with parenting. the time. They're Especially so fearful and they're a helicopter parent or they're so fearful their kids are going to not like them right. or rebel. They, so then they're just in the friend zone. Right. You know? Yeah. So, because we're just so fearful of how, how are they going to turn out? Am I doing it wrong? Right. Right. Um, and, and so if, if focusing on obeying primarily is your is the way you live your life then yeah it, it does sort of promote that fear it feeds it versus a grace-based life promotes faith mm-hmm. because that's really what it requires to to kind of enter into this relationship with god where it's based on grace yeah it's trust it's our faith and um you know, it says in James, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So mm-hmm. if we want to please God, mm-hmm. and we should want to, yeah, it requires our trust and our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one the, thing we see a lot, I think, in churches um, specifically, you know, we, we say the church is a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. It's not for the healthy necessarily, right. it's for the sick. And I think in our churches, a lot of people come looking for hope but they don't get connected. They don't choose to say because they see all this, this, you know, Pharisee behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Where if you come in and you're transparent with what you're struggling with or what's really going on, you're, you're judged, you're out, right? you know? And if you're not falling in line with this behavior checklist, there's not a lot of people that are giving grace. Mm-hmm. And so that makes people put up a mask. Yeah. And that is more, you know, leans more towards an obedience-based life. Well, if I put on a mask and I appear to be one way mm-hmm. um, and I portray this image, I'll be accepted and loved mm-hmm. versus if I'm leading this grace-based life and I can be transparent and real and people will accept me and love me for who I am, um, 
that is going to make the church explode with people wanting yeah. to be part of that. Who doesn't want to be accepted yeah. and be able to be real and vulnerable and transparent instead of yeah. have to wear a mask? Right, right. Yeah, and I think it's so easy and, and unfortunately you know, we talk about the church, the mm-hmm. evangelical church. Um, I think we have fallen into the trap of being primarily defined by what we're against. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Rather than what we're for. Right. You know, don't drink, don't chew, don't go with boys who do, you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, don't swear, mm-hmm. don't all these things. Right. Don't, 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 don't. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's um, that that's not true, mm-hmm. that there are some things we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. But if that's what we're leading with, right. then obviously you see why the the greater, you know, the primary culture looks at us mm-hmm. and just thinks, are these people wackadoodle? Yeah. Like, why are they actively choosing mm-hmm. to live their lives this way mm-hmm. where they constantly feel judged by an angry God Right. And they're judging everybody else according to those standards. Yeah. And nobody's actually living according to what they say they are. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's this masked facade. Right. Right. And the world, you know, the, people see right through that, mm-hmm. especially this generation. Yeah. Like Absolutely. they have a really high bullcrap meter, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> it's, it's way up there. It's really sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, it's hard. And so I think, um, you know, the obedience-based life, it, like we said, it's sort of this outside-in management. Mm-hmm. It's like what Jesus meant when he called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Right. You're spending all this time and effort beautifying the outside mm-hmm. of, of a tomb that's mm-hmm. dead inside. Right. Um, and versus the grace-based life, which really sort of inclines us towards inside out surrender. Yeah. We surrender ourselves, Mm -hmm. including the worst parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know we're flawed. We know we're fallen, but we're willing to surrender that. We're willing to surrender our fears, our control, Mm -hmm. you know, control, control is a, is a pipe dream anyway. (laughs) You know, it's just this, it doesn't, we do not have control over much in life, but Mm -hmm. we grasp at it rather than just saying, God, you're in control. I know you love my kids even more than I love them. Mm -hmm. You desire their best even more than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I can trust you with these kids. Um, And isn't this like a constant reminder? I mean, for me, it, sometimes it does not come naturally and it's great when you're a parent and you can talk your kids through these things. So I just remembered we had a a friend come over and play with our kids a couple of weeks ago and he's unchurched and he had the most vulgar mouth you have ever heard. Like (laughs) the stuff he was saying to my eight and five and two year old, I was like, what? So I was oblivious. But then after he left, my kids were like, mom, you will not believe what he said. We cannot hang out with him. He is so inappropriate. (laughs) And they're just, you know, a little bit Pharisee-like. So we're working on that. But I'm like, guys, okay, here's the deal. He doesn't know Jesus. His parents don't bring him to church. He doesn't know the Bible. He doesn't understand that we don't talk like that. We don't so that say the name, the Lord's name in vain. And we don't, and right. like, we don't want to hang out with him. And we're like, no, we need to hang out with him. And 
right. I was encouraging them to invite him to VBS. And they're like, whoa, what if he says God's name at church? What if he says a cuss word? I'm like, oh, oh, well. Yeah. We just need to pray that hopefully the VBS leader gives them some grace and doesn't make right. a big deal out of it. And that right. can extend that grace and realize most of the kids at VBS aren't unchurched. And that's why we're doing it, you know? Right. But it's it's great when we have those opportunities because it does stretch me. My initial reaction is to be fear-based and to say, oh, yeah, I don't want my kids hanging want, out with that influence. I don't want them hearing it. I don't want yeah. them like, hearing why? it in their minds, yeah. being exposed to it. Yeah, my five-year-old and... knows the F word now. I was like, what? Yeah. I don't think I knew that till junior high, but I'm like, okay, that's okay. Don't freak out, which I want to. I'm right. like, okay, I need to walk them through how to handle him in grace. How are we going to love him? Now, are right. we going to set up boundaries? Yes. I said, next time you said that, you need to come over and tell when his mom's there mm-hmm. so she can hear and we can solve right. this together. We're not going to just let it be a free for all of like the urban dictionary at our house, right. but we need to, <laughs> we need to navigate this. And this is why we don't say those words. And this is what they mean. Cause you have no idea what's happening. Right. But, um, how do we still love him as a friend and treat yeah. others with grace, whether they're believers or not? Right. Well, and that's the thing leading with love, mm-hmm. um, is key because if you lead with the rules, yeah. And the standards, well, first of all, we all fall short of them. Right. So it's kind of a losing fight anyway. Yeah. But especially for someone who doesn't know the Lord, why in the world would we expect for them right. to have some kind of a shared value system with us? Right. It makes no sense. They mm-hmm. have no basis to even understand that. And mm-hmm. so we've got to lead with that love and mm-hmm. that inclusivity. And then those things come later and right. and the you know kind of the last point on this list that I want to point out because I think it it gets to the heart of what we were just talking about is that the obedience based life can tend to lend itself to self righteousness mm-hmm. um but the grace based life lends itself to organic obedience right so it kind of comes full circle because you know when you compare and contrast obedience and grace, people think, well, those are both good things. Mm-hmm. You should obey God and, you know, this should be a, a grace-based relationship. Well, yeah, of course. But the point is, what is the primary aim? Mm-hmm. Because I think you can, I mean, you can see, and I encourage people to delve more into this on our website, look at the annotations, really kind of open up your mind and heart to to try to see this but we're not saying that you shouldn't obey god right. of course yeah. we're not saying we don't want our kids to obey us mm-hmm. and that there aren't rules and standards and that that boy that comes up to your house that you should just let him say whatever he wants anytime no mm-hmm. that's not the point but why why do we get the obedience how do we get to right. obedience we get to it through this grace-based relationship with God, a Mm heart-connected relationship with God, Mm -hmm. then we want to obey him. Mm -hmm. And and like the story I told with me and my dad, you know, what what that did, that level of sort of mutual respect that Mm -hmm. he showed me, he um, he didn't use what he knew to manipulate me in a negative way. He used right. it to sort of clue me in and give me every opportunity to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so that actually made me more more wanting to respect the rules, to understand the rules and not to see them as this like, yeah, again, this like lame sauce oppressive thing, mm-hmm. but to recognize, no, this makes sense. Like yeah. I can see I'm 19. I wish I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> but right now I'm getting to live at home to save up money and they're giving me that gift and they're expecting some things 
um, of all everyone in the family. And so I looked at it and I went, I want to keep my curfew. Mm-hmm. It didn't make me less desirous to obey. It made right. me more. Right. But I wasn't obeying out of obligation, out of fear, out of duty, mm-hmm. out of self-righteousness. I was obeying out of love mm-hmm. in, in an organic way. So it came as a byproduct almost mm-hmm. of this grace-based life. And that's yeah. that's what we're talking about. And so um, it's a lot. It is. I mean, it's it's simple and yet... It can be so hard to live out because mm. we're flawed, we're yeah. sinful, we're selfish, we <laughs> yeah, we're fearful. But I think dialing in on this power and presence of God's grace in our daily life, yeah. Dr. Tim Kimmel, Karis's dad, always says, "This is what grace looks like lived out, like with sweat all over it." Right. And that's just so gross, but it's so yeah. true because sometimes it's really hard, and I don't want to give that person grace, or I don't want to show my husband grace. Um, but and we're not going to be able to do it in our own flesh. Yeah, it's going yeah. to be the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Yeah, and so well, and that's the thing. Like we talked about before, grace is not cheap, right? right. Yeah. It's free. Right. It's a free gift, but it's not cheap. It cost right. Jesus everything. It cost yeah. him his life. It cost the Father his Son, mm-hmm. and and so you know, it, it's not easy to give people in our life, what they desperately need, but don't deserve Mm. because, but don't necessarily deserve because we want to give people what they deserve. We want to retaliate. We want to let people have it, Mm -hmm. but we have to step back and ask ourselves, is this what's in their best interest? What is in their best interest right now? Right. And that's going to be a different answer for different people at different times. So that, Mm -hmm. like you said, we've got to be so clued in and, um, in, in connection with the Holy Spirit yeah. to ask for his power and presence to guide us when we don't know what to do. And then mm-hmm. when we mess, when we mess up at grace, mm-hmm. you know, when we make a mistake, we ask for forgiveness because yeah. that so. kind of puts us back on that path, you know, that right. grace path right. gets us out of the ditch and, and puts us back on that path. And mm-hmm. we may have to do that a hundred times a day, yeah. every day, forever, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's a, it's a worthy fight. Yeah, absolutely. Fighting for grace. So, and, and fighting for grace is what family matters has been doing for, um, almost the last four decades. And, um, but we, uh, we encourage you to check out the show notes on this one. They might be, these are going to be a little bit meatier than some of our other show notes. There's going to be a lot for you to delve into and look at. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, um, anything you want to talk about in regards to this episode or any other episodes, you can reach us at family at familymatters.net. And also we'd love to pray for you. Mm-hmm. It really brings us joy to be able to bring your concerns before the Lord. And um, we love you guys. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Grace-Based Families podcast. This is part of Family Matters Ministries. For more podcasts and resources, check us out on familymatters.net slash podcast or stream us on all major podcast platforms. Once again, this is Karis and Michelle. Until next time.